you will find out what you have, how, how valuable it really is. If it can burn up in the fire, it's of no value. If it doesn't stand the time uh, table, then it has no value. If it can't hold up under pressure, it is of no good to you. And so it is only those things that go through the, these testings that come out on the other side that we should hold as something of great value. And gold and silver have to go through the fire to find out how pure they are, right? You really don't know what's in a person until you get them under pressure. And it's under the pressure and under the testing and under the fire that we find out what is really on the inside of us, right? The old preacher said he, he uh, was um, working with a man and he said the man, they was working, building something and, and said... Um, the uh, man that was working with him, he hit his thumb with the hammer and the old boy let out a cuss word and, and the old preacher didn't say anything and a couple of days went by and the preacher hit his thumb and he just said, oh my. And, and the man said, uh, he said, preacher, he said, how is it that whenever I hit my thumb, I go to cussing and whenever you hit your thumb, you just say, oh my. And he said, son, he said, whenever the pressure's on, what's on the inside comes out. Amen. And so whatever's on the inside of us will come out during times of pressure. It is the same way in your faith. My faith is more important than my gold. Because the faith that I have will go through the test. It will be proven underneath the pressure. And so it isn't something that's cheap but it is something of great value. Until your faith survives something, you don't know what you have. You can say that you have faith in God. You can say that you believe in God, but it is in those times of pressure that you realize or come to find out how valuable your faith really is. Because if it doesn't survive uh, the test, if your faith doesn't hold up under the pressure, then it is worthless. It has no value. It has nothing to, to hold on to because it's faith that has the substance of things hoped for. You've got to have that faith. And if that faith doesn't hold up, then you have no hope in the time of pressure, right? And so you don't know what you have in your faith until you've been tested. The heroes of faith in the Bible, they, they moved mountains without a 401k. They changed the whole world without health care, right? They, they shifted the power of their day without a welfare system. They had all of this and they was able, but why? Because their faith was more precious than their gold. And we've gotten so dependent upon systems until uh, even many of us in the church have forgotten how to believe and live by faith. We shout, let everything that can be shaken be shaken until it's shaken and then we start <laughs> carrying on. We say that our source is the Lord and we trust him as our source until our source is no longer in the things that we can manipulate or control and then we go crazy because we don't know how we're going to make it. We shout the devil is a liar until he gives us a lie and then we believe it, right? You have to 
have a daily dependence upon God. You have to come, to, we, we have to come to a place where that this isn't just about Sunday morning. This isn't just about one day a week, but it is a lifestyle of believing God for the daily bread. That we believe him for every breath. We believe him and we trust him in every day of our life. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, whenever it may be. That we have come to this place that our life is dependent upon him and him alone. And no matter what is happening around us. Right? I mean the financial world's going crazy because a bank has gone under. Yeah. The stock market just about crashed the other day because they, they was concerned about what was going on, right? They didn't understand this because their hope and their trust is in those materialistic things. And yes, it's good to have materialistic things. It's good to have all of those, but that's not where your trust is. That's not where your hope is. It's not where your confidence is. Because when all of those things go awry, we've got to say that as the songwriter said, our faith and our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. It's in him that we live and we move and we have our very being. And so we have a daily dependence upon the Lord. And you can't let days go by without God, thinking about him and, and trusting him. We can have all of the uh, things that the world says as causes us to be uh, successful. We can have diplomas on the wall. We can have bank accounts and we can have all of these things, but all of those things at some point and some time are not going to stand the test of fire. They're not going to stand the test of time. And so we have to have more than a paycheck. We have to have more than these things. Yes, we thank God for our paycheck, but we don't confuse God with our paycheck. Amen. We thank God for the job, but we don't confuse the job with our God supplying all of our needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus, our Lord. And, and I understand that if you take faith away from me, then I don't have any gold. Right? Because it is my faith that causes me to prosper. It is my faith that causes me to have victory in every area and aspect of my life. And in times that we are in, it's more than just nice slogans. Right? You can have all the nice slogans you want. You can, you know, maybe 23. Let's see. It's all about me in 23. 23. Uh, you know, that's cute and that's nice. But that don't get you through test. It doesn't get you through trouble. It doesn't get you through hardship. It doesn't get you through situations when you don't have answers for them. Those kind of things don't get you through. It don't stand under the test. And so someone has to get down and get into the Holy Spirit and begin to, to do some serious teaching and preaching about what is going to cause us to stand in the time of the fire. Amen. People in the Bible stood that understood that every day was not going to be the same. 
Every day is not going to be easy. Every day, bluebirds aren't going to sing at your door. Every day, things aren't going to wake up and and find out that everything is victorious. Sometimes you're going to have difficulty. Sometimes you're going to have hardship. Sometimes joy is going to be stronger than it is others. But in the midst of it all, you have to learn how to live in the balance of it all. Right? Live in the balance of it all to know that, yes, this may be a bad day, but God is still good. And yes, this may be a good day, but I still need God in my life. And so I balance it, and my balance is Him. It's His presence. It's, it's faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so even every so often, you go through a season of proving. And God says, I'm going to shake the things around you So that you will realize and I will realize that the things that I've put my trust in, my confidence in, my hope in, really is not of eternal value. You know, some people can shout and run and say man real loud one Sunday, but let them get one phone call and the next Sunday you can't squeeze an amen out of them. One phone call can change the whole, our whole life. It can shift everything. And in that moment, we have to have faith in something more than eternal things. Amen? You have to, you, that means that your praise isn't worth anything if you can't praise Him going through difficult seasons. Amen. It's quiet in this here Presbyterian church. Your praise is cheap if it's only praise when you're getting it your way. Things are going your way. It's rolling your way. Victory is coming. Joy is coming. Peace is coming. But, 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 you, but, but we have to come to a place like Job that set him there in sickness and set him there in boils and ashes and his sons and his daughters have perished. His livelihood is gone away. But something, he, he anchored himself in the faith of God that they said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. My praise is not based on how I feel. My praise is not based on because everything is going good. My praise is based on the fact that God is good. And he is always good. No matter what my circumstance is, God is always good. You see, our problem today is that everyone is wanting a feel-good message. And preachers want to preach a feel-good message. Because that's what people want. But what we have produced in the American church is people that can't stand to go through anything. Because why? Because their faith is not based upon God. Their faith is not based upon that foundation is not faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But we have learned how to be uh, about going through the process of just saying, well, I just don't feel like it. Well, what's your feelings? What, what, is, what has that got to do with anything? Because if you're always living by your feelings, you're going to be schizophrenic every day of your life. You're going to rise up one day and be on top of the mountain, but before the sun goes down, you'll be at the bottom of the earth. 
because that's how quick things can change in our life. But we've got to know in whom we have believed. We've got to know in who we have put our trust. And our trust is in him today. Amen. What happens when everything is going right? It's good. What happens when everything you know is going wrong? Whenever they hand you the pink slip, whenever they say we're foreclosing, when they say we're repossessing the car, when they say that, that things are not working out in your marriage, what do we do then? Well, we've got to know in whom we have trusted. And people haven't got enough word inside of them and to be able to stand in the face of the enemy and shake their fist in his face and tell the devil that this is just a season that I'm going through, but my God is still the God of this season. And whenever I come out of this, I'm going to come out with my faith being tested and my faith will remain true. Amen. You believe that? Give him praise today. Whenever we come out of seasons of testing, we, we, our faith is just, it, it is assured. You know that you know that God, you know that God's good and you know that God is going to take care of you and the devil's going to know and, and you're going to know and God is going to know that you have a confidence and a hope that is built in him, right? I'm not singing because everything is all right. I'm not dancing because everything is going my way. I'm doing it because I know where my hope is in. Yeah. Amen. And we must learn how to deal with times of famine. You can't run and hide from it and think it's going to go away. The pressure comes to get you to make an exchange. It wants you to exchange something of great value for something of a lesser value, to settle, if you will, to trade your faith for gold. Famine many times in the scripture results as wrong people being in authority, wrong people being in leadership. Famine is not all bad famine marks turning points it, it, it is in famine that brought authenticity to Abraham being the father of the faith the famine served to elevate him to a place where the of authority that in the midst of a famine that they would come to realize that the father of faith was Abraham right then his son Isaac comes and because every generation will have their own famine. Every generation will have a, a battle, will have a famine, will have a spiritual drought that they will have to deal with and they will not be able to deal with this the same way that previous generations have dealt with their famine. But each generation will have to deal with a famine or a spiritual drought or a spiritual challenge in their generation. Isaac comes and in the Bible says that there was a famine in those days and Isaac and uh, of Isaac and the Bible says that Isaac sowed in the day or the time of famine. Amen. Isaac sowed. Isaac means laughter. 
Amen. Think about this. How can you have laughter in a time of famine? How can you have a smile on your face? How can you have joy in a time of famine? Perhaps it was because he seen his father Abraham deal with a famine in his life. Perhaps he knew that his faith was in the same God that delivered him. His father is going to now take care of him. Abraham would have to go it alone. He would have to be the one to first test it. But now his son Isaac had the privilege of walking up behind him and seeing that he was pronounced or it was put up on him, deemed him as the father of the faith because he walked out this famine season in his life. And now Isaac comes and a famine comes and he is laughing about it. <laughs> The farmers are, it's, 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 you know, it's, the dirt is dry, it, it's powder, it's dust, and the seeds aren't coming up. And, and people are probably saying there's no use of putting a garden out this year, right? It's not going to do anything. It's not going to produce anything. And here comes Isaac laughing at it and plows up the ground, puts seed in the ground. And what did the Bible say? And in that same year... Huh? In the same year, what year? The year of famine, the year of drought, the year that other people said there's no use of trying, no use of doing this. In that same year, Isaac sowed seed and received how much? A hundredfold. Amen. A hundredfold. Glory to God. What happened to Isaac? His faith was tested and he passed the test. And whenever he came out on the other side, he had more than he went into the trial with. You see, trials come to us to try to remove something from us, try to steal something from us, try to extract something from us. But the faith that we have when we go into the trial, we should come out on the other side with more of something than we went in with. Amen. Joseph comes along and he's promoted because of famine. He, he had a dream, and in that dream, he, he, he was helping people. He, he, was, he was there to, to bless people. And even though he went through a difficult season, there was some people in the way that, that had to be shifted. And during this time of famine, in this time of drought, in this difficult season, was whenever people were shifted, things were shifted, so that Joseph could get to where God had called him to be. In the difficulty of our life, we don't always see it, but we've got to believe and trust God that he's doing some shifting. He's doing some changing. He's doing some altering in our life to prepare us to get to where he wants us to go. Amen. The famine serves to bring Joseph to the forefront because they knew his faith was real. Why do you go through the famine? So that everything that's not real will be burned up when it gets hot. Mankind even wants to come and correct us and to challenge us and say, well, you, you can't live your life that way. But we're not living only in a natural realm. Yes, we are living in a natural realm, but we are also living in a spiritual realm. 
We are on these two tracks at the same time and simultaneously we're living in two different worlds. And we have these two different worlds that we have to contend with. We have to contend with the natural, but we've also got to contend with the spiritual. And the spiritual must be stronger than the natural. Everything was going good. And when everything is going good, people normally don't want to change. Is that true? As long as everything's going good, we have no thought about changing the trajectory of our life. What, what way we're going, what, what we're doing, what we're thinking, all of those things. As long as it's going good, we have no uh, thought of changing. But when seasons of testing come, it's a time for us to do some changing, readjusting. Everything was going good and and the people liked Ahab and Jezebel, and they didn't, they didn't want to change anything. It was going good, all right? Until that old prophet showed up and stuck his bony finger in Ahab's face and said, it ain't going to rain around here again until I say it's going to. Huh? Sometimes God has to let famine come, not to kill us, but to turn us, to shift the situation. And I want to look at this story today here in Luke in this parable and, and, and bring some parallels between it and the church today that maybe we, will help us to learn. You see, the Father, the Father speaks of the blessing, and not just in this passage, but even in Elisha. Uh, he never received a double portion until he recognized that Elijah was a spiritual father to him. And whenever he recognized that and he said, where are you going? And, and he was going up. He cried out, my father, my father. Right. And that is when the blessing was released into his life. There is a spiritual fathering. And in this story in the father's house, we find that, that he, we can tell that the father's it's the father's house because the father's house is different even in the time of famine. When everyone else has nothing to eat, when everyone else has nothing to spare, the father's house still has hired servants. That means he's paying for it, right? The fatherly anointing does more than just take care of yourself. The fatherly anointing, you're, you're not a father if you're just taking care of yourself. If you're a father, you provide and take care of the family, right? And so it is in that that, that the father then now brings about not just concerned about myself, but about others. And to be a part of the house means that you have the same mindset. You, you are a part of the same system of thinking. That's the reason why that when we read the Old Testament and in places that, that would say that, that so-and-so is a part of David's house, right? But he's not a part of the family. He is a part of the way of the system of thinking of David. And so to be a part of the house is to agree with the system of thinking or the way of thinking of that house. And you are yoked to that way of thinking, right? 
How many know every house has a, a different way of thinking? Amen. And, and you look at somebody else's house and you say that's dysfunctional. Right? But guess what? They're looking in your window and saying you're dysfunctional. And the reason being is because every house has to be operated different because some of it has six kids in it. <laughs> and some of them only have one. I ain't got time to talk about that. But everybody's house is built different. It's, it's structured different because that's how you function. That's how you operate. But you have to buy into the way of thinking. And so the fatherly anointing must return to the church where that it's more than just a, a father doesn't always tell you what you want to hear. A father must be a parent to the church. And we need preachers that will not tell people what they want to hear so they can be accepted politically and, and, and accepted by being politically correct. God never called me to be politically correct. I'm, I'm very aware some folks have, have left this church because I've made a stand and, 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 and they took it politically. I can't help that. But I'm going to tell you that we're living in an hour when you can't tiptoe around about the mess that's going on in this nation. You've got to stand for what is right. You've got to stand for righteousness. You've got to stand for the truth. You've got to stand for the word of God. And so that, that's what it is. You, you can't just be uh, politically accepted by everyone. You can't be preaching so that you can tickle people's ears. You, I don't want people to tickle my ears. I want to know truth. If I'm going to go to a doctor, and God forbid I go to the doctor and my body is full of cancer, don't be telling me no cute stuff. I want to know truth. I want to know how to deal with the situation that I'm dealing with right now. I don't want a preacher telling me just what's cute. I want to know what the word of the Lord is saying to us now. So that we can deal with it. I may not like it. Huh? My job is, if I'm, I'll even go this far, if I, if I don't cause you to leave here sometimes a little upset, I ain't doing my job. Sometimes I need to ruffle your feathers and push on you just a little bit to get you to go home and provoke you to think about it. Huh? Because I know in my life, that's what I like. I like to be challenged. There's things I've heard preached and I'd leave and I'd chew on it. I say, I don't believe that. I, that ain't right. That ain't, that ain't right. I get in the Word, start studying it. I say, maybe it is right. I work on it a little bit more. I let it think it, process it, and study the Word. And before long, I begin to say, hey, I'm the one that was wrong. Amen. I'm the one that needs to shift here. Because this is truth. That's not what I've been taught. That's not what I was led to believe. But it is the truth. And so I have to shift my way of thinking, right? To line up with the word of God. And so the, the fatherly anointing the, 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 is a parent isn't to be, you know, just uh, the, their, their child's buddy. Their friend. I said child. Right? There'll be time for that later. But when they're growing up underneath you, they're not your friend or your buddy or your pal. 
you're the mother, you're the father. You have to bring them correction. My dad would, had, a, had a saying. Your dad probably used it too. He said, this is going to hurt me worse than it hurts you. And there ain't no way that was true. <laughs> huh? But I know what he was meaning. He was meaning in his heart. He didn't want to do that. But he knew it was the best for me to do that. Huh? Come on, parents. And, and, and we, we, the fatherly anointing must return to the church. Where that we don't just always just be buddy-buddy and, and say, yes, I want you to love me. I want to love you. But if, it, but if the word of the Lord hits us in a place, we can't just back off of that. We can't just let that go. We've got to accept it and say, yes, that's what's best for me. Amen? Fatherly anointing, a parent will do things that parents, as parents, you know, will have to do things that the kid doesn't like or enjoy. Whenever I was growing up, I never thought about what we was going to do on Sunday. I knew where I would be on Sunday. Didn't know how long I would be there, <laughs> but I would be there. There's no question about it. There was no discussion about it. There wasn't even no use for me to bring up anything else going on on Sunday. Because on Sunday was the Lord's day. Amen. And that's the main priority. That was priority in the Matthew's house. To be a part of the Matthew's house. I think it went like this. As long as you're living under my roof. And eating my food. And wearing my clothes. You're going to get in my car and go to church with me on Sunday. Amen. That's how it worked. I was drugged. And I turned out halfway decent. All right. Where else do we use these things and we don't, it, then it works for us. But we allow the spiritual things to go unchecked. The famine is a time that separates the sheep from the goats. The loaves and the fishes will follow. Right? We separate the church from the play church. Not allow churches to just go through things to be going through things, but we're going through things to be tested. Because you cannot tell the difference between a fake church and a real church. You can't tell the difference between a, a, a fake father and a real father until the time of famine. And in the time of famine, there was more than enough in the father's house. Right? The famine came to all. 
But in the Father's house, there was food. In the Father's house, there was servants. In the Father's house, there was more than enough. Amen. And I submit to you today that the famine that has come to our, our world, even our, our nation and our world, is a famine that will bring about the truth of the real church, the truth of where there is a fatherly anointing or a, a people that are saying, yes, I'm buying into the system of the kingdom of God and my faith is going to be anchored on it. A father has something to impart because you don't ask for something that, you, that is not there. The father has something to impart to the people that are in the house. If there is nothing to give, right? You, you'll not get anything in the house. If there's not a fatherly anointing in this house, then you'll not receive anything from this house. At the end of the day, I need to be around somebody that imparts something into me. Because the pastor's not always going to be there on Monday. But I can receive on Monday and or Sunday an impartation so that on Monday I can deal with the situation that I'm dealing with. I can face it. There's going to be some seasons that you where no one is going to be able to stand behind you at the job and cheer you on or at the school and cheer you on. But you have to come to the house of the Lord. You have to come to the Father's house and you have to receive meat. You have to receive bread. You have to receive a substance so that you can go throughout the day, throughout the week, and you can be able to deal with the things that you have to deal with in the natural world. Right? And so you should receive something from being in the Father's house. It, it, it's an impartation. And the Father has an inheritance to give. But the prodigal has to be in the house long enough to, number one, has to learn how to handle the inheritance. It's no good to get an inheritance if you don't know how to handle inheritance, right? Number two, you has to be there long enough to learn how to generate it. How did the father get this? How did this happen? How can this continue to be a blessing from generation to generation? And number three is along those lines is not only have you learn how to generate it, but you have to learn how to manage it. But the pride of the prodigal, it's a prodigal spirit that that wants the inheritance but he wants it now right and how many know that's the that's the spirit that's on our nation we don't want to wait for anything it's been unleashed upon us we want it and we want it now i can't afford it but i want it now right i didn't work for it but i want it now i don't deserve it but i want it now right I can't make the payments, but I want it now. And the sad thing is there are people that are willing to give you a loan, even though you can't pay it back. Some things aren't the devil. Some things we have created ourselves. Come on, somebody. And the pride of the prodigal is a spirit of entitlement. The prodigal never worked for what he was wanting now. His father was the one who worked for all of that, right? 
And if I had time to preach it, this spirit of entitlement was one that, that was even a, 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 a spirit that was saying, really, was saying of his father, I wish you were dead so I could get what you've got. Amen. So this is a bad spirit, but the prodigal never worked for it. His father did all of the work, but now he's wanting everything that his father has without doing what his father did to get it. When you're always trying to get something before it's time, it will always lead you into a famine. Why? Because it's out of season. Yes, that time will come. Yes, those things are there for me. Yes, that blessing is prepared. And it's for a time and for a season. But if I receive it prematurely, it will lead me into a place of famine. Why? Because I don't know how to handle what's been given to me. Notice with me that it wasn't the famine that caused this, this prodigal to lose everything. He lost everything before the famine ever came. He lost it all, and the Bible says then the famine came. The boy stayed around a little while, and then he left, and then he loses everything on loose living. And America doesn't know what to do with a little money today. (coughs) Is that right? You give Americans money today, and they'll start taking their pets to psychics. And buying pet rocks. (laughs) They will, sure enough. I ain't lying. But notice that it wasn't the famine that caused this man to lose everything. He lost it before the famine had ever come. Why? Because the pride of the prodigal has hit our nation and it has flooded us today. And it has covered America like a blanket. And now the famine has come. It hasn't come to kill us, but it has come to remind us that our faith is more precious than our gold. Our faith is more precious than our gold. And God is using the famine today, just like he did in days past, to shake what needs to be shaken, to remove what needs to be removed, So what is faithful, tried and true will remain where that people will know where that they can put their confidence, where people can put their hope, where people can put their trust, right? Because these things are what's going through the test. These are the things that are going through the hardship. And now you can put your faith and your confidence in it. Because here's the truth of the matter is a million dollar house is no good if you can't enjoy it. Amen. A $10,000 bed is no good if you can't sleep. What good's a $100 steak if you can't chew it? Amen. And so your faith is more precious than gold. I know it's old school. But take this whole world and give me Jesus. No turning back. Because the reality of it is, is this, the pathway to prosperity is back to the Father's house. 
And I believe, I believe that in this season that we are now in, the famine, the drought, the difficulties that our nation is facing as a whole and individually and yet corporately, that they have come to serve to bring America back to the Father's house. Back to a place that is trustworthy. Back to a place that, that you know that you know that even though I go through these difficulties in my life, the Father God is going to somehow, He's going to clean His house. He's getting His house ready for the family to come visit again. And He's preparing us now for a, a return of prodigals, return of people that says it's time for us to go back to the Father's house. It's time to go back. It's time to, to be a part of what God is doing in this last day. <coughs> and I can say this, and I'm not judging. This isn't a judgmental statement. But I believe it to be true. That a lot of the television preachers that you've seen won't be on TV anymore. You won't see them. You won't hear them. A lot of churches won't be open anymore. Why? It's not because the church is bad. It's because there's not a fatherly anointing in the house. Because whenever you serve in the capacity of leadership, it isn't just about you. You aren't just feeding yourself. You aren't just taking care of you. You're taking care of those who God has placed under your care. And if you're not feeding them then you're not having a fatherly anointing. Not all churches will stay open. In fact, 20,000 preachers left the ministry last year, left the pulpit, and said, we're never coming back. 1,500 churches a year shut their doors in America. How do you know? How do you know? You know because when you come, you're getting fed. You're receiving impartation. You're leaving better than you came. Amen? The Bible said, and when he come to himself, famine and difficult seasons serve to cause us to come back to our senses. Come back to our right mind. Said, I'm tired of the husk. <laughs> I'm tired of empty promises. I'm tired of the famine. I know where I can get food. I know where there's more than enough. Amen. I know where there's a place of safety. I know where there's a place that, that, that I know that I've been there before and I've left that place, but I'm going to return there because it's only the place that of safety, the place where there's a, more than enough is in the Father's house. And so I'm going to return back to the Father's house where there is no lack, right? And I'm almost done. But the Father's house, there's, in time of famine, there is no lack. I've already said that several times but there is no lack in the father's house they're hired servants in the father's house they said go and kill not the skinny calf but the fatty calf amen 
Not only was there enough food for the servants and the workers and for the family, but they had plenty enough to keep the animals fed and fed good, right? Kill the fatted calf. This speaks to me of the, of the provision naturally as well as spiritually. But then he goes on and he says, the father's house, he said, it has robes. He said, go get the robe. It speaks to me of accepting no matter what. We talked about the unconditional love of God last week. And he puts a robe on him. He says, I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you, how you've spent. I don't care how you lost it. He said, you're my son and I'm glad you're home. Right? And he takes the robe and puts around him and embraces him as if he had never left the house. Amen. Amen. And then the father says, go get the ring. The ring is a signal ring. The ring is, is the family ring. The ring says you're part of this family. It speaks of an unending love, a love that never ends, right? And we talk about that in marriage, in relationship, how the ring is a symbol of an everlasting, continual love. In the father's house, he said, get him some shoes and put on. No longer are you known as a slave. No longer are you known as somebody that's trying to get by, and, and, but you're part of this family. You're no longer. And he was all the time, he was hoping that in his father's heart that he would just accept him to be a servant so he could have something to eat. Many times in our life we're going through the difficulty, we go through the hardship and we thank God if you could just help this to not hurt so much, if you could just get ease this sickness up a little bit, if you could just know, no, God is greater than that. He's not concerned about easing your problem, he's concerned about delivering you from your problem. He's not concerned about making your sickness better, he's about eradicating your sickness, infirmity or disease to give you a hope and to give you a future that's the God that we serve but the enemy wants us to think well that you know we if we could just make it but no God wants to do something in this hour that's going to blow the mind get ready for God to touch our families get ready for God to touch our community our city our nation our world where that the kingdoms of our God shall become the kingdoms of our God and his Christ and we see a radical shift and change where that people will come back to the the father's house amen they'll come to the father's house and they'll find what they need they're going to find what they need because there's there's a fatherly anointing and the, there's an impartation that they leave better than what they came in amen praise God praise God I believe it don't you I believe it. I believe he loves us so much that he allows us to go through the difficulties and he says, like dad used to say to me, it's going to hurt me more than it hurts you. Because he looks and he says, I don't want you to have to go through this difficulty and these things, but it's in the testing, it's in the, in the difficulties that you realize What's of value? What's not of value? What's important? What's not important? We reprioritize our lives, right? In the times of famine. 
I just wanted to say this today because I believe that in the next weeks ahead that the Lord is going to help us to make an impact. We're praying into our Easter season. We're praying into this time uh, of year. And I'm praying that when people return to the house of the Father that they find impartation. They find hope. They find purpose. They find value. Amen that they haven't found in the things of this world, but they can find their hope and their, and their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.